you've joined Pathways to Resilience, the podcast where real people share real stories, helping us build our playbook toward resilience. And now here's our host, Melissa Santos. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pathways to Resilience. I am so excited uh, to have my guest today, Megan Bull, with me. Hi, Megan. Hi. Megan is the founder and president of the Reclaim Foundation. We'll hear a bunch about what uh, Megan and her team are doing around trauma and resilience. Um, And then full-time, when she's not with the foundation, she's a research associate at BioMarin Pharmaceutical. Um, And I met Megan through my work with the Gilroy Strong Resiliency Center, which is serving um, victims of the Garlic Festival shooting. Um, And just, Megan, your bright light and spirit and all that you're doing just got me so excited to have you come and talk about uh, vulnerability. Um, But we'll start with just telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And I know we've talked a little bit in the past, but I'm excited to learn more about your story and be able to share mine and my work with Reclaim Foundation. So I did become connected with the GSRC or Gilroy Strong Resiliency Center through my work with Reclaim Foundation. So Reclaim Foundation is an organization that I started after having multiple experiences with trauma all within a single year. So On July 28, 2019, I was 23 and decided to attend the Gilroy Garlic Festival with my boyfriend. Um, I am someone that when the recipe calls for three garlic cloves, I add like 12. Like I love garlic. (laughs) I will put it into just about everything. So the festival is something clearly on my bucket list to attend. And even just arriving in the parking lot, the smell of garlic was so pronounced that mm-hmm. I so <laughs> yummy it's so delicious I was ready to go so as soon as I got in the festival I was eating garlic bread garlic ice cream watching Mark Segovia cook up a storm and I've been lucky to meet him since uh-huh honestly the perfect day it was such a fun event and towards the end of the event at like 5 39 p.m I saw some service dogs by the Gilroy sign and decided to take a picture of them But then at 5.40, the first shot was fired. So that second photo of the dogs, they're actually jumping in the photo. Wow. First one, they're sitting perfect, well-behaved, not even a single tail wag. Um, At first, no one around really knew what was happening. I know I was trying to rationalize it as like, oh, it's the end of the event. The vendors are packing up. It must have been the inflatable slide near me trying to you know, it was anything but make sense of it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then more shots continued to be fired. And that's when my boyfriend and I started running for our lives. Mm-hmm. And so we were very fortunate to escape without physical harm, but unfortunately three people did not survive and over a dozen were injured that day. Um, pretty quickly, I developed PTSD and survivor's mm-hmm. guilt. Uh, Every day became a challenge from walking from my apartment to the block across the street to my car, sitting at my office, trying not to cry from flashbacks. Every day was a challenge. So I quickly started therapy, which was really helpful. 
But then less than a year after the festival, I was in a hit and run car accident. Oh, Megan. On my way to work during the pandemic. So (laughs) had compiled how hard the pandemic was for everyone to add an additional effect to it. So I ended up having a broken back to the point where I needed to have pretty invasive surgery, where I needed four screws and two rods put into my back. The effects of it were I essentially couldn't walk. I wasn't allowed to bend, lift, or twist. I had to have support for just about everything I was doing, even including like trying to drink water. The hydro flask was too heavy for me to lift. Wow. Parents had to put my socks on my feet. My boyfriend and brother were trying to reteach me how to walk. So it was starting from ground zero all, all over again. And during that recovery, my hometown was ravaged by the California wildfires. So Mm. I was very lucky that we we only had to evacuate and we did have a house to come back to, but many people were not fortunate. And so through all of these events, I kept having, I was one ashamed of what I was feeling. It felt like, oh, other people are having it worse. I wasn't physically harmed in Gilroy. I have a house to come back to. Many people don't survive car accidents. So I always felt I was lucky, but also I felt ashamed for struggling with the emotions that I was. Megan, that is so important, actually. You know, you talked, you you labeled it as survivor's guilt, but it also, um, our work with Janet Child, she tells us not to comparison stress shop, but I think that we do so often. In fact, it was kind of the impetus of this conversation of Pathways to Resilience was, okay, so certainly we hear are the bravery and the clients that come to us. Um, we hear their stories all of the time. And yet there, each of us have areas where we have felt stress or we've experienced trauma or we're experiencing depression or anxiety um, and, or an accident, right? A recovery of some kind. And yet sometimes when we have privilege um, of whatever kind, right? That could be, we have white privilege, we have financial privilege, we have our house after a fire. We can feel like we're not worthy enough to be feeling as badly as we are because others have it worse. When in fact, that's not how our actual brains, the survival part of our brain is saying, yeah, no, we're not good. (laughs) We're not good, right? And so it's that that internal battle with ourselves, right? Yeah, exactly. And then also I had the comparison of my boyfriend was at the festival with me and we went through the exact same event, but he was having a much less of a response than I was. So then I was comparing myself to him going, we lived through the same exact thing. Why, why does he seem okay, but I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with me? Yeah. And like putting that pressure on myself of, I should be fine. Like he's fine. I I should be fine, but I'm, I'm not fine. Yeah. And so it put that pressure on, like, I knew I needed to try to find help because I knew, especially with PTSD, it can kind of spiral. Like, it it will keep getting worse unless you find something to make it better. So I started looking for online resources. The GSRC did not exist yet. I really wish they had at that yeah. time, but they weren't. And I couldn't find anything. Like, it was really a struggle to find gun violence resources. And then on top of that, resources for folks that have gone through multiple traumas. And again, I couldn't really find anything. And so that is what kind of sparked the idea of Reclaim Foundation. 
And I wanted to build a nonprofit to offer that space for anyone impacted by trauma, no matter what the trauma is, because you might have one type of trauma and someone else might have another, but you might relate better to each other than someone from the exact same trauma type as you. Right. But again, coming back to that feeling of being ashamed is I didn't feel like I should be the one to build it. I felt like I wasn't the right person. I didn't feel like I had the right voice or again, I wasn't a victim enough. And I Uh put enough in air quotes because you're always enough. But in my mind, it didn't feel like I kept waiting for someone else to do it. And having to be vulnerable felt embarrassing to me. So Ah. (laughs) I love what you, you know, because it's like, how do you, how do we help everyone, right? Just the general public, anyone listening, connect to trauma. And sometimes that word trauma, it's like, well, I've never been through anything traumatic trauma. And what is like, what's that, this idea of enough, you know, it's, I love that even just as a, a definition of when are there are times when you're not feeling like enough, either because of an external force that's that you're comparing yourself to, or just internally something's off where you're not feeling enough. Whereas I feel like resilience is, is the definition of that could be like, it's when you feel like you have enough within yourself to move forward, to reclaim. I love the name of your (laughs) foundation. Yeah. So tell me about how that shift from, from embarrassment and shame and not enough to, you know, I am enough and I'm going to do this. Yeah. So Again, having all of the PTSD of having to cope with the mental aspect and then now having the physical aspect of the car accident, again, it felt like I was just laying around waiting for someone to help me. And I had to realize that I could be the one to help myself and also to help others and hopefully make it so that other people don't have to go through what I was doing and wait for someone else to do it. And so that was when it kind of sparked that idea of, you know, I do want to build something. And while I felt embarrassed that I needed assistance and embarrassed, I kind of realized, oh, it's not embarrassment. It's I'm scared of vulnerability. (laughs) I was scared that if I shared my story, people are going to feel uncomfortable. They're not going to know what to say. They're not going to know how to help me. And so to try to restrict feeling like abandoned. I just flat out wasn't telling anyone how I felt. So powerful. (laughs) And so I realized, oh, if I am vulnerable and I share my story, people will actually know to help me. They'll know what I'm feeling. They'll know what to say. Give people the opportunity to support you. And if someone isn't able to support you, it's because they don't have the capacity to because they're dealing with something in their own life or they were never going to be that support system for you. They aren't the friend that was that good of a friend to be there for you. And why would you want those people in your life? So it was trying to make myself comfortable with something that is so uncomfortable. And so uh, that was like the beautiful thing about Reclaim Foundation that I wanted to build was to create a support system, whether that is through online resources. So no matter where you are, you can find Um, articles, you can find advice, self-care items to coach yourself along with what to do, 
or also through other people's stories. So you don't feel alone. You can read other people's vulnerability and be able to connect to them and go, oh, that resembles me in this way. Like I'm not alone in this. And then our biggest project that is upcoming is our online portal. We're hoping to launch it in the summer of 2022. It's going to be a place where people can journal independently, but also take those journal posts and share it into a trauma community. So for me, I could take a post and put it into gun violence or mass shooting category. And then that way I can say, hey, this is what I'm feeling today. And other people can comment back going, hey, I felt like that too. Or I felt like that a year ago, like things are going to get better. This is what I did to help. And hopefully be able to grow your vulnerability and your resilience, reclaim your life, like we like to say, because you're able to share your stories and get advice from people that have been there. And then the site is also going to be open to anyone impacted by trauma. So your friends, your family, your anyone that's an ally of a trauma survivor that just wants to know what to do. It's open to you because we want you to be able to see, oh, I'm not a survivor, so I may not necessarily know what's helpful, but I can read what the trauma survivors are saying. And I can also ask questions to other family and friends that have been there and go, how did you support your loved one? What worked for you? What didn't work? How can I be the best support system I can be? So we're hoping people can find strength and resiliency in that vulnerability of sharing their story and building a community. It's so cool. And Wow. So proud of you, Megan. I mean, to, to take your experience and then say, oh, I think I'm going to build and you're in Reclaim Foundation. Are you all volunteers? Yeah. So we are entirely volunteer based. So we are, there's three officers, um, Dean, Lindsay, and myself. And then our directors are Bryce, Gina, Emmy, Dean, and also myself again. So five of us, but then we have about 30 volunteers that work in the capacity of the portal development, outreach, graphics, uh, grant writing. So kind of all over the place. We were really lucky that we, so we filed in September of 2020 to become a nonprofit. And then actually in March, we were told that we won a Victoria's Secret Award. Mm -hmm. And so that offered a lot of our funding And so we are brand new, always looking for more volunteers, more donations so we can continue to grow. But we are a strong group of volunteers that are really passionate about supporting the trauma community. Yes. And I have to say that what I love, it's like your business model came from your experience. And there was so much insight in what you said around um, cause something else that can happen is us not wanting to tell our story. I, what, you know how you said you, like, you didn't want to make other people feel bad. Yeah. And how crazy is that? Right. That, that we're the survivor of the trauma and yet we're worried about other people. And so, and, and tr- yes, we have, I mean, being aware of vicarious trauma and things, but the idea of not sharing and holding in, um, because of that fear and just, flipping that on its head because of the power that you're telling your story gave you to a space where people can be as anonymous or not, you know, that they as comfortable as they are with that. How, how if we step back a minute to your, your path through that, what shifted for you that allowed you to be able to say, like how, how did your family and friends react? Like what was your experience 
Oh, it was a very good experience, but I do have to say there were definitely pushbacks. So I started noticing that the more comfortable I was getting with sharing my story, the more uncomfortable other people were getting. Mm. Uh, it It is uncomfortable to hear about a mass shooting. It is uncomfortable to hear about a hit and run car accident where you're physically hurt and to hear about the wildfires affecting people's lives. It's an uncomfortable thing because it affects everyone around you and it's such a negative part of life and it is still fortunately pretty rare events. And so you don't necessarily always know someone that has gone through it. And so because of that, people don't know how to react when you're casually dropping how you feel or casually dropping what happened to you. And so there was definitely pushback in that regard, but also it was that strength of pushing through it of like, oh, why, why are you uncomfortable with this? Like, can we talk about it? Like, I feel as like a survivor, as I'm becoming comfortable, then I'm more comfortable sharing my story. And with my friends, so I was actually living in San Francisco. It was, I had actually only been living there for about a month when Gilroy happened, um, coming from college and getting a job actually at BioMarin. I moved to San Francisco and I had two wonderful roommates who were beyond supportive the whole time, like during my recovery, were there with me, helping me walk to grocery stores because I was too scared to, were nothing but wonderful. And so I started going to therapy. And again, my therapist was wonderful. And it did take some time to find her. I did try therapy mm-hmm. with other folks that were not a fit for me. Um, I had to learn the hard way that sometimes just because someone says they're a trauma-informed therapist doesn't actually mean they've worked with trauma survivors before. Right. And so they were saying some more triggering things like, oh, this is happening all the time. You live through everyone's worst nightmare. Uh, Yeah. So not (laughs) not things that help for a trauma survivor. Right. Someone with PTSD, it feels like there's a complete lack of control and it is going to happen to me constantly. That is my thought. And so hearing that was We're trying to get rid of those thoughts, not to actually create more of them. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So when I did find a therapist who was an amazing fit for me, she was a part of that thought process of, you know, she was saying, you know, I was looking for resources too, and I couldn't find too much. And, um, but what are your thoughts on like, how do you want to grow from this? And I was like, well, I'd love to make it so other people don't have to go through it. Or if they do, it's a little bit easier for them. And she's like, so do you want to start your own nonprofit? And I said, oh no, not me. Like <laughs> backtracked on what I just said. And so she started like bringing it up more again, casually. Like you said, you had this goal and then you got scared because you knew you'd have to share your story and, or not necessarily have to share your story, but most likely it would come up and that's what helps guide the nonprofit is knowing what didn't work for you and what might work for someone else. And so it started planting more of the seed in my brain of like, oh, I, I could do this. Like I should be the one to do this. And one day I came home to my apartment in San Francisco and I looked at my roommates and said, I think I want to start a nonprofit. And they were like, oh yeah, absolutely. What are we calling it? Like what's our <laughs> plan? Awesome. And so we literally grabbed a pizza box that was last night's dinner, grabbed a Sharpie and just started brainstorming names. And the first thing that came to me was actually Reclaim Foundation. And the reason being that I, trauma is always going to be a part of my story now. Unfortunately, like I can't erase what happened, 
I can live a strong and happy and successful life, but trauma is a part of my story and it is something that I'm overcoming. And because of that, I'm reclaiming my life for myself. I don't want it to be based off of what an even evil person did to me and what they did wrong to me. I didn't want it to be, oh, I'm, you know, trying to be successful because they did something bad to me. I want right. to reclaim it and put the strength and definition of my life into my own hands again. I want to reclaim it for myself that I'm doing this for me, not because of something that happened to me. Oh, so powerful. And I think, again, so important as we're thinking about sort of the playbook aspect of this, right? So thinking about how vulnerability helped push you there. And it was really, it's what I'm, what I'm hearing and learning from you is just that, that pause to say, why, what's holding me back? What's, what's making me think that has to be outside of myself? And how do I get vulnerable? Not one with just me, right? (laughs) Allow myself to have these thoughts and these feelings and be okay and know that I'm enough and then reclaim from within my, the journey of your, my life moving forward. Yeah, exactly. And you know, that piece of walk moment was monumental, but I have to say Reclaim Foundation didn't immediately start after that. I wrote down the name, had the idea. And then again, I felt I lost my strength and my vulnerability where I went, oh no. And like, hold on, this is moving too fast. Like I'm not ready. And I still felt like, should I be sharing my story? Is my, is my story enough to share? And so then it took another year where I was, um, so I had my surgery September 9th and then Reclaim Foundation was born September 29th. So it was wow. literally me laying in bed, unable to move, going, I had the time because <laughs> I can't sleep <laughs> now. Uh-huh. I'm laying here. So now's the time to do it because I, there's no way to put like to ignore it anymore because I, nothing's holding me back. I have the time to lay here and read the books of how to found it. I have my laptop. I my hands aren't broken. My back is, I can, right. type. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's when it was finally born. Cause it was that last little push of, um, stop letting distractions take my, take my mind away from it. And now it was, there's no more distractions. There's no more excuses. It was time to do it. I'm so glad that you did. And I'm so excited about the growth, um, and what's to come. Cause you're still just in the infancy and I can imagine just the power that this online portal is going to have. And just you continuing to show up as enough. I mean, you present as a confident and capable and caring young woman. And I think that just that, like, and I'm sure it's not every day, right? Like I'm no. sure it's not every day. And sometimes it's, I go and share my story and then the next few days I'm just drained. Like honestly, it takes a lot. And, um, I hope for any trauma survivors that are listening or for anyone interested, um, there are definitely keywords that you get comfortable with saying. So when I do share my story, there are parts that I do share and there are parts that I probably will never publicly share that I keep internally because I know it causes more hurt for myself and it doesn't really add to the strength of my story. And there's no, you don't want to, just because you're being vulnerable, you should never share something that you aren't comfortable sharing yet. Absolutely. And, and nor should anyone ask you to, right. I think that's the important for some 
people sharing the sharing of the story or the version of the story is an important part of their recovery from trauma. For others, it's not. Um, The other thing I think that is so important, and, and again, part of this conversation of bringing this into all aspects of who we are, is that Megan and this piece of you, like you said, which will always be a part of your story, is not just the Megan that shows up to talk about the Reclaim Foundation or in relationship with your boyfriend, your family, but it is who shows up at work or at the gym or at the pizza part, right? Absolutely. And that was a big part of growing my resiliency because again, I was fresh in my career out of college and I had just started at Biomarin when the festival happened. And so I was a temporary worker, which means that I only get three vacation days a Mm -hmm. year. Um, vacation slash sick days. So um, I was definitely limited in how much time I felt comfortable taking because I know I have rent to pay. I have groceries to buy. I needed to support myself still. So I took one day off after the festival and did return to work. Wow. And yeah, and I don't know if I would recommend that for anyone (laughs) else to do. I thought for me, it would be good to get myself back into my normal routine And I had a great support system of the people I work with that were so understanding. They knew what had happened. So even when I returned to work, they gave me the space and the time to go, hey, maybe you don't do lab work today. Maybe we give you some desk work and you can take it at your ease and become comfortable with it and take breaks when you need to. Because there were many times that I was going to the bathroom to cry because I just started thinking about things too Mm -hmm. much or during a lunch break, some of the colleagues that didn't know I was there were talking about what happened because unfortunately after the festival, there were, I think two or three other shootings that yeah. week. Yeah. And so people were talking about it. it was a point of discussion. And so I would hear those things. And of course it would spark really strong emotion, but it was also, I think a big starting point for me growing my resiliency because I was proud of myself for going from the apartment and getting into my car without Mm. anyone having to walk me. I was proud of myself getting out of my car in the parking lot and walking myself into work. I was proud of myself for making it through a work day. Each of those, each of those small steps was a point of growing my resiliency. It constantly felt like I was pushing myself and then I was proud of myself for doing it. How would you define resilience? What's resilience to you? Okay, so I actually wrote a note on this. So the Merriam-Webster definition is the ability to become strong, healthy, or successful again after something bad happens, or the the ability of something to return to its original shape after it has been pulled, stretched, pressed, or bent. Mm, Wow. And so when I went through trauma, it really felt like the world around me and my sense of self was stretched, pulled, and changed, and bent. Um, Trauma changes your state of being, and it becomes part of your story. So you don't necessarily feel like you're returning to your original self, but you're becoming strong and healthy and successful with this new version of yourself. And so I always think that the definition of resiliency is becoming that stronger, becoming that healthier, the pathway, as you may say, to Mm -hmm. becoming stronger and healthier. And I think that's the true resiliency. And 
resiliency is the set of goals to get you to where you want to be and where you want to be then becomes a different goal to where you want to be next. And I think it's ever changing. It's elastic. Um, for me, after my car accident, I set the goal of hiking half dome. And so, um, I grew up as a competitive gymnast. I was a cheerleader in a D1 college. I've always been super active. I was actually training for half dome the day before I got in a car accident. And so I set the goal of half dome, but I was still at the point where I couldn't walk. I couldn't put on my socks. I could (laughs) barely move. Uh And so you know, half domes was my quote resiliency goal, but there's a lot of little moments of resiliency I I had to meet before I would ever accomplish that. And so I started recording those small moments and I actually started posting it on social media as like a reminder of, Hey, like this day you put your socks on this day, you took your first stair step and those small moments, like looking back at it, feel huge. They were so impactful. And so when I actually did go to do half dome this last June, um, when I started the trip, it automatically felt even more, even more like, like a huge accomplishment. because I remember all those small things. And so when I did the last step and the last cable pull to get on top of the mountain, I was instantly in tears because I knew how hard it took to get there. And yeah, I think more about those steps to get there than I do even thinking of myself on top of that mountain. Isn't that so powerful not to lose sight of actually to give attention to those small steps um, as, as they they end up being more meaningful. I love that. Megan, you are such a joy to talk to. And I just, I really appreciate, um, certainly your vulnerability has been a gift, not only to yourself, um, but to others. And then your, your mission and vision to make sure that it, it reaches even more people. Where can people find Reclaim Foundation? Yeah. So Reclaim Foundation can be found uh, online at www.reclaimfoundation.org. We are also on every social media site at Reclaim FNDN. So foundation without the vowels. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd also just like to mention that the Gilroy Strong Resiliency Center is also on social media and has a website and it is open um, for services for anyone that um, may be listening that hasn't found a path to healing, um, who's been a, was a victim of the Gilroy Garlic Festival shooting or any of the others that have impacted our community since then, unfortunately, um, and listen to Megan's story of the power of that. And they are a great group, and I've had the pleasure of meeting so many of them, especially at this last anniversary event of the festival. And I think they're doing amazing work, and so I hope people do reach out and take advantage of their of their um, organization. Thanks, Megan. Thank you so much for being with me and for sharing with me, and um, and I hope to see you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, what an incredible woman doing such incredible things um, to not only help build her own resilience, but the resilience of others. Super inspiring. And thinking about our theme of our playbook towards resiliency and using vulnerability as 
a way to get to a place where we are feeling good enough. Um, I really appreciated Megan's reflection on initially sort of misdiagnosing her own vulnerability to be, you know, shame and embarrassment. Um, And so I wonder for myself, um, one thing I'm taking from this is to look at places where I'm not feeling enough um, and and perhaps I'm looking for external uh, approval or others to help me to feel enough or get something done. Um, and, and why, why am I stuck there? What's making me not feel enough? Um, am I embarrassed? Um, is there a fear that if I say an idea or tell a story or take a certain step in an area of my life, um, is there a certain fear of others' reactions? Um, and then sort of re frame that for myself to say, what would it be like if I would allow myself to be vulnerable in that situation and just find within myself to reclaim uh, that story for myself, reclaim it for myself and move forward on something that I have wanted to, but have been holding my own self back. not all of us may have a big story like Megan's where we were part of a mass shooting or were in an accident um, or impacted by fires. Those, those may feel like things we can relate to, or may, you may be doing your own comparison, stress shopping saying, well, nothing that big doesn't feel like anything that big's happened to me. But Megan also reminded us of the small things. Um, And so what are those those could be small experiences um, that we're calling them small, but that are big to us. Uh, And so just kind of taking a look at those. So I am, again, grateful for you listening, grateful for Megan's wisdom, and looking forward to my own reflection. Hope you are too. Let us know what you learned. Take care. Thanks for joining Pathways to Resilience, an initiative of Community Solutions please visit us at www.communitysolutions.org.